turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thank you for your presence today. The Bible beautifully describes the creation of the first man, woman, and marriage. God made the heavens and the earth with us in mind. Then he made man in his image and breathed into him the breath of life to care for the universe he created. If that wasn't enough, he made woman from the rib of man to complement him. And with God's blessings, they became husband and wife. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander articulates this beautiful truth from the Holy Scriptures. We're preaching through the book of Genesis, and we've been having a wonderful time therein. And so we want you to be so kind enough to turn with us to Genesis chapter 2. So let's start with verses 21 and 22 of Genesis chapter 2. When you find, when you find it, say amen. The word of God reads... And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. I want to preach from this, these verses and a few other verses thereafter, the marriage of Adam and Eve, the marriage of Adam and Eve. Because no suitable substitute or companion was found for man, after looking at all of the animal kingdom, God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And while he slept, God took one of his ribs from his own flesh and closed up the flesh in his place and fashioned a woman and brought her to the man. And we must be mindful that just because Adam was created first does not make Eve a lesser creature than him. One sex is not superior or inferior to the other. For she too was created in the very image and likeness of God. And like Adam, Eve also exercised dominion over God's creation. Because if you see in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, you'll see that passage explaining that with specificity. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says, So God created man in his what? Own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and what? Female. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. And then God said to whom? To whom? Them. At referencing Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see here that not only Adam had dominion, but Eve as well had dominion over God's creation. Notice also that the rib was taken out of Adam's side. It was, it was only one rib. It wasn't three. 
He was not to have three women, but one woman out of Adam's side, which meant that the bone was not taken from his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by Adam, but out of his side was taken a rib to be equal with Adam and to complete Adam. Only a man and a woman could have companionship, intimacy, closeness, to love, comfort, cherish, nourish one another, and most of all, reproduce for the purpose of populating the earth. Earth. There's also another major point of consideration. Only a man and woman can reproduce. Not two men, not two women, but a man and a woman. Huh? And this ought to be in context in holy matrimony. Say holy matrimony. That's right. Children are to be born in the context of marriage, kingdom marriage. The scripture says that, and God brought her, Eve, to Adam. And not to another man and not to another woman, but God created one man and one woman who were male and female. Society is trying to confuse this business. In this verse, God did not create several women for one man, which is polygamy. Inherent in this passage is a heterosexual monogamous relationship as a divine pattern for marriage that God established early on in creation. And there is another powerful spiritual principle here. Look at that verse. Look at the last part of that verse 22. And God brought her to man. Y'all see that there? God brought Eve to Adam. Husbands, I got a question for you. Did God bring your wife to you? Huh? And you wives, did God bring your husband to you? I believe the reason the divorce rate is so high among Christians is because of the inability to wait on the Lord to bring you your spouse. Do you not know that God makes all things beautiful in his time? That's right. And you're not to pick a spouse to your likings. You know, got to have certain hairdos and certain physiques and certain biceps. She got to have a certain grade of posture, uh, look, and all of that. Those are, that's a fading glory. What really matters is inner beauty. Say inner beauty. And some of your marriages end up in a mess because you pick your spouse for the wrong reasons. And if your answer is no, you're not so sure that God brought you your spouse or you are uncertain. Here's a word from the Lord to you. You said, well, you telling me I can bail out. No, I'm not. Not at all. You say, well, what am I to do if I'm not so sure if, or if God didn't bring me my spouse and I'm good in marriage now, good in marriage now after many years? What word have you, Draper? Well, I have a word from the Lord. This word is by far the infinite word. With God, all things are possible. You say, that's not enough. Give me another scripture. Well, I'm glad you asked. Is there anything too hard for God? You say, but uh, uh, it's a mess. God can clean. Repent. Ask for God's help. And if you depend on him and let the word of God govern rule in your marriage, God can do some wonders if your attitude just change about your spouse and then relying by faith on the power of God as to what he can do 
uh, in spite of what you did. <laughs> you see, even though Adam and Eve were created two equal persons and beings, their functions and purposes in marriage, home, and even the New Testament church differ. Satan has always sought to reverse the roles of men and women to create confusion in the home, confusion in marriage, confusion in the church. What makes for a healthy, sound, well-balanced, and spirit-filled life and marriage is possessing a spirit of submission. And without it, there will be selfishness. When there's no submission, there will be tension. When there's no submission, there will be strife and pride and anger and separation in all, the, in all relationships. For if Adam and Eve had submitted to the instructions of their loving Heavenly Father in the garden, they would not have fallen and found themselves estranged from God. Say submission. Say it again. That's what people hate in society. Somehow we can't stand the word what? And God requires those who belong to him to possess a spirit of submission. What is submission and who does God require us to submit to? What is submission and who does God require us to submit to? Well, let me define submission. Just a simple, simple definition so you can grasp it. Submission is to obediently yield and surrender and surrender one's own will to the authority of another without complaining. Okay, let me let me say it again. Submission is to obediently yield and surrender one's own will to the authority of another without what? Complaining. Complaining. In other words, having the right attitude of heart even as we submit. And if you don't like the word submission, if you have a problem, if you have a rebellious spirit, let me tell you something. You're going to struggle the balance of your life. You're going to struggle the balance of your life. If children don't learn how to submit, parents don't learn how to submit, uh, the church doesn't know, how to, doesn't know how to submit, you're going to struggle the balance of your days. And the reason Adam and Eve found themselves in great trouble with God is because they did not Submit and stay committed to the instructions of God in the in the Garden of Eden when he told them not partake of that forbidden tree. As Pastor Rander continues the most beautiful love story ever told from the best resource ever written, he conveys the role of the husband and wife in marriage. Marriages founded upon and lived out according to the word of God are marriages that last till death do us part and set the God-ordained marital foundation for generations to come. Listen as Pastor Rander continues to feed our hearts, minds, and souls with this sacred truth from God's Word. So who is to submit? I, I don't leave you in doubt. Who is to submit? All of us. Say all of us. Okay, A, every one of us must submit first of all to God. Every one of us must submit, first of all, to God. Look at 1 Peter 5, 6. It starts with God. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, when you humble yourself, when you submit to God, submit to his instruction, 
in, 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 with a right attitude of spirit, God will lift you up and take you on a journey you wouldn't imagine. God will bless your socks off. God will do any in, incredible, unimaginable things that you can't even fathom. It all starts, my friends, with your attitude toward God. So you first must submit to God. But you can't submit to God until you first believe there is a God. Huh? In the beginning, God. So if you don't believe there is a God, you already have a problem. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls you a fool. Because the scripture says a fool has said in his heart, according to Psalms 14.1, there is no God. And then one day, whether you submit or not, if you don't submit to God now, there will come a day with your cocky self that you will submit. I don't believe there's a God. I don't, I don't like God. I don't want that God stuff. Don't bring that God stuff. I'm not going to bow my head and pray. Take prayer out of everything. Let me tell you something. There is a scripture embedded in the Bible just for you. For it says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's including your name, by the way. <laughs> that at the name of whom? Oh, y'all kind of y'all kind of weak at the name of whom? Jesus. At the name of whom? Jesus. Every knee, not some knee, huh? Every black knee, Hispanic knee, rich knee, poor knee, crazy knee, foolish knee. Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me tell you something. You either bow now or bow later. But don't go that you go bow. You go bow. It's better to bow on this side. And, and have God say, well done thy good and faithful servant. Uh, than to bow before the, before the great white throne judgment and be banished to the lake of fire. I serve notice on you today. If one doesn't submit to God, he or she will not submit to anyone else. You're not going to submit to your mama, your employer. You're not going to submit to anybody else. It starts with God. B, who are we to submit to? We must submit to the authorities in the land. We must submit to the authorities in the land. Adam and Eve were to submit to God's instruction. They were to submit to God. And when they strayed and rebelled and, and did not heed the word of God, they got themselves in an unholy mess. We must submit to the authorities in the land. But if you don't submit to God, you're going to have a problem submitting to the authorities in the land. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. You say, why so many scriptures? Because it's not what I say that matters. It's, it's really what does the word of God say. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, look what it says. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king, to the kings as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and to the praise of those who do good. In other words, the responsibility of the government is to punish the evil and to speak well of 
to those who do good deeds. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Let me tell you something. We are to submit to the laws of the land. And man, if the law say don't water your lawn, but on certain days in the middle is drought, then we are to govern ourselves accordingly, right? That's right. If, if, the, if the law says if you do this, you're going to jail. If you steal a ham out of H-E-B, there are some consequences. You can pray and yet you can repent and be forgiven, but you must serve some time. There are consequences for your actions when you misbehave. So we're to obey the laws of the land. You just can't go up and just slap everybody you feel like slapping without experiencing some penalties for your actions. That's right. Your rights shouldn't infringe on mine. Uh, in other words, what are you saying? You are to obey governing authorities. You know, the only reason when we are not to submit to governing authorities is when man's law conflicts with God's law. All right. That's when we don't submit. Remember under Pharaoh, they were trying to get he was trying to get those women, those Egyptian women to to kill their babies. And they had so much fear of God, they would not do it. Do you remember that? Or you remember when uh, they were telling Daniel and his crew uh, uh, not to pray and they prayed anyhow and experienced consequences? Remember that all through scriptures, you see where the government tried to forbid the very thing that God told his people to do. And the only time you don't obey the law is when the law is trying to, to get you to do something that conflicts with the word of God. So where's the scripture on that? It's Acts chapter 5, verse 29. It says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Than men. You know, so that's that's when you... That's when you stand. It's when they are trying to get you to do something that is unbiblical. Who are we to submit to? We must submit to employers. Say employers. Yeah, if you're working, uh, you are to submit to, to your boss and the authorities that be on your in, in the workplace. First Peter 2.18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Those folks that's not even treating you too well. You don't just say, well, I'm not going to do it. He's not treating me right. I had to work on Friday and I'm not going, I'm going to work, but I'm not going to do my job, you know, and, and on and on it goes, hypothetical situations. And even when you're not tr treated well, you, you can either do one thing. You need to go on and comply and pray and trust God, or you can transition yourself out of there to another job. Huh? But the worst thing you can do is be miserable and make everybody else miserable around you. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 9 is something profound there about uh, working for your employers. Uh, if, uh, Ephesians 6 5 through 9 it says bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ not with eye service as men pleasers but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. God is looking at not only your work ethic, but he's also looking at your, your attitude in your work ethic with verse seven, with good will doing service as to the Lord realize you can worship God in your work. That's right. And you're a missionary on your job, not to men knowing that whatever 
good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening. Don't be threatening your employees and all these kinds of things, knowing that your mas- your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Let me tell you something about the workplace. Christians are to glorify God in the workplace by possessing integrity. Integrity. It's hard to invite folk to church from your job if you're cheating. And, 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 and all the office supplies is in your house. Huh? You cl- you, 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 you're clocked in, but you're loafing. You, you're going to other things on the computer. Personal business. When you ought to be doing business business. Huh? Extending your lunch break without permission. Amen. A good work ethic. Having a good reputation. It, when, when your coworkers speak of you, what are they saying? Having a great attitude, serving on that job with excellence and quality because you don't have to have that job. Thank God for a job. Somebody's looking for one right now. You say, well, I'm not going to work because I'm waiting for something in my field. You better get yourself up and work out of your field until you work to your field. If you broke, forget the field, get some money. <laughs> I'm waiting on my field, waiting on my field, waiting on your field. You better go to work. Can't find a job. I see a lot of help wanted signs. You got to let your pride go and go to work. So you submit to your employers. Uh, then D, we must submit to church leadership. Say church leadership. He, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Here's a scripture you don't hear read too often. I wonder why Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Do you not know I must one day stand before God and give give an account as to my stewardship of pastorate over you? That's right. And when I stand before God, I should be able to represent you with with joy and not grief. And 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 actually, you know, I, this church is a rather large church It's growing. And, and, and really, I get scared when more folk join because I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job with these that I'm serving. And so when God sends more, I just say, oh, God, you know how much I can handle Help me in this great ministry to which you have called me to. It is God who determines the growth and the size of a church. Just because a church is not numerically large doesn't mean that church isn't doing anything. There are churches of all sizes. And just because a church is big don't mean it's, it's, it's about the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. You can have a big mess on your hand. You can get a big crowd at a fight. That's right. So just because it's big doesn't mean it's better. And just because it's small doesn't mean they're not about anything. God determines the growth and size of his church. But, 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 the, but the pastoral leadership and the leadership of this church, you must submit and, and, and you must do so with a glad spirit. My responsibility as your pastor, along with the leadership of this church, let me give you my responsibility. Write it down. 
Write it down. Write my job description down. So you, so you know what, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I can sure give you yours. Okay. Number one, to feed the flock, to feed the flock of God, the word of God. That's right. If I'm not feeding you the word of God, I'm doing you a tremendous disservice. You know, you're not here at eight o'clock in, in this morning for me to play patty cake with you. Why you why you get up? This, this is early. Look at all these folk here. Because you know you're going to hear a word from the Lord. Listen, I don't give you no junk. That's right. And, you know, and I don't worry about who come and goes because sheep go where they are fed. You put the right food in the trough, they're going to keep staying there and they're going to keep eating. So my responsibility to you is to feed the flock of God. Number two, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. To equip you. Well, pastor, go do this. Go do that. Wait a minute. My job is to disciple you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. If I try to do be all things to all people, I have a heart attack, be dead, you be burying me by midnight tonight. My responsibility along with the leadership is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Number three, to lead the church in soul winning. Say soul winning. Yeah, uh, we had about 30 or so said, man, uh, to come out. But you know what? We should have many, many more. 30 or 40 came out for soul winning. And I was trying to get here. And on my way here, uh, I, was on, I was on a mission to come here. And then God diverted my mission. There was a, a, a man walking on the side of the freeway on I-35. His car had broken down. He had one stroller with a three-month-old baby in it. And then he was walking with a little four-year-old, and there was the car was just shoo, shoo, shoo. And I looked at that, I said, oh, but I'm going to knock on doors. God said, no, you stop. You got enough to go knock on doors. You go help them right there. That's your outreach ministry. Pastor Rander concludes this message by sharing spiritual wisdom regarding the God-ordained role of the husband and wife in marriage, children and parental responsibility in the family, and pastors, bishops, elders, deacons, and women in the church. There is no question that God sanctified marriage. He ordained and blessed it in the beginning. If we desire to experience joy in marriage, we must follow God's lead. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas.